Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Philippians 1 verses 3 to 11. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favour of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Jesus Christ. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Good morning, everyone in the room. Uh, Good morning, everyone online. It is good to be together. Um, If you don't know me, my name is Adrian, and I do like to chat. That is correct. And so we'd love to chat to anyone. Uh, Always up for that. Um, Yeah, I always describe that I kind of like small talk, but I've realized this. I give the impression of lots of small talk in order to kind of lull a sense of kind of security to then go straight in with a deep talk. Uh, and so I actually like deep talk. So if you want to do that, do it. If you want small talk, I can do that to the cows come home. So love to chat. Um, thank you, Michaela, for reading the scripture over us. If you're regular here, you know that we started last week looking at this wonderful letter written by Paul to a church in Philippi in what we know now as mainland Greece, uh, where he just is revealing. And the kind of heading we've put on this letter is he's trying to get hold for these believers, and I believe for us now, that Jesus is enough, full stop. And the full stop is really important because it means that it's not Jesus enough and or but, but no, Jesus is enough, full stop, for you, for me, for everyone. And that's what we're gonna go on to discover week in, week out. In, In a few minutes' time, we'll get to zoom in on this amazing prayer that Michaela has read over us. Uh, But before we get there, I just wanted to share something, an event that I got to be at uh, in July this year. So July this year, I got uh, to go to a celebration of a kind of friend of mine that we grew up together as teenagers, and his name was Douch. And there was like a trio of us. There was Douch, myself, and Mark. And we grew up as teenagers together, uh, hung out, got into various predicaments, and also came to know Jesus and came to spur one another on in the wonder of who Jesus is. And in July, Douge invited me to go, uh, along with Mark, uh, to his ordination as a vicar. And it's just a celebration. And before we show that photo, I wonder if we could just jump back, because actually, in that photo I want us to see, I just want to set it in context, because 
We'd not really stayed in touch in person over the past kind of 25 to 27 years. In actual fact, we'd stayed in touch through messaging, through social media, but hadn't seen each other in the flesh. And so I just thought it'd be good for you to see kind of who we were. So 27 years ago, this was us at my wedding, and we're the bottom row. And so in the middle is me. Some people don't think that is me. It is me. Um, I promise you that. My parents at some point could vouch for that. It's my brother next to me. And then my right, your left, is Dowge on the bottom, and uh, my left, your right, is Mark. And so that's us, this trio, uh, 27 years ago. I now want to show us us now. You've got a sneak peek. Let me just show you. So there we are. Now you're going to wonder, who's the guy that isn't there? So Mark's at the top. I'm at the bottom, obviously. Dowge is the one dressed up. And then the guy next to him is actually our youth leader. Now, here's the surprising thing. Our youth leader is nearly 70. And you look at Mark and Dowge, and you think, yeah, man, life's been pretty good for them for 27 years. (laughs) You then look at the other guy, and you think, one of those guys just ain't like the other. He's aged a bit, hasn't he? And that's what struck me as I looked at that photo. In actual fact, Steve, our youth leader, his wife, walked past me. She didn't even recognize me. It was only because she saw Lucy and said, oh, it's you, Adrian. And I said, yes, I have aged. Um, you see, something's gone on. I've transformed over the last 27 years. And uh, some of that transformation, I think, has been in both the height and the color of my hair. Um, I want us to see, why am I talking about this? I want us to see that this prayer that Paul prays actually is all about transformation. A transformation that is way more beautiful, wonderful than some kind of 49-year-old guy kind of looking back saying, oh yeah, remember then when I used to have a hair that wasn't white and was slightly slimmer than I am now? Um, A transformation that is absolutely unbelievable. A transformation that is made possible because Jesus is enough, full stop. That all we looked at at the start last week of our foundations of grace that leads to peace. Paul then uses that to then pray this amazing prayer that reveals the wonder of how Jesus transforms. How Jesus transforms you, how Jesus transforms me that he's longing to transform us in who we are, what we do, like he's longing to transform us in how we relate to who God is and how we relate to each other. And Paul wants us to get hold of this amazing reality because this transformation that's happening is the work of God. It isn't something we're trying to work hard at. It's actually the work of the Spirit that's working within you, working within me as we center our lives on Jesus, discovering that he is enough full stop. I want us to see, therefore, that as we discover Jesus is enough full stop, he transforms the way we see, live, and pray. That's what I want us to briefly look at through this this prayer, is that it's about the way we see, the way we live, and the way we pray. So firstly then, the way we see, verse six, Paul writes this, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. 
See, as I said, there's, there's two ways you can look at that photo at the beginning of, like, the aging process of Adrian. That could be one of the ways you could look at that photo. The other way that I'd long for us to see it is actually a story of everything that Paul points to here. A story of transformation, of what Jesus has done as the reality of his life, death, and resurrection have taken root in my life. And that story can be told by multiple ones of us in this room who've sought to center our lives on Jesus or those online. And maybe that's just been, we've been centering our lives on Jesus for, for, for weeks, maybe it's been months, maybe it's been years, decades. And for all of us, we can look and say, hey, yeah, there's been this amazing transformation that's been going on. And Paul's encouragement is that he wants us to see it. Because... It changes the way we see ourselves. He wants us to see that like who we are is God's. We're God's, the Father, Son, and Spirit's workmanship. God is at work in us, seeking to create this masterpiece, this piece of art that is only revealed through you, through me, of his work in our lives. And maybe we're thinking, well, what is that work like then? What is it that he's seeking to paint a picture of through our lives? Well, John, one of Jesus' friends, like helps us kind of understand what this picture eventually is going to look like, where he writes this in 1 John 3, 2. He says, dear friends, we are already God's children, but he's not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him for we will see him as he really is. See, we're invited to understand that we've been transformed in the way that we see ourselves. The way we see ourselves as individuals that are now God's workmanship. And what he's creating in us is this piece of art that reveals that we are now his children. Not will be one day, no, we are. We are his children forever, eternally loved and accepted. And also, he's in this way now of seeking to work in us to cause us to not only be those that are revealing we're his children, but are now being transformed into the likeness of his eternal son. That's what Paul wants us to see in terms of who we are. We've been transformed. But he also wants us not only to see like ourselves, he also wants us to transform how we see God. That God is one who is deeply committed to you and to I, and is seeking to continuously work out everything that he started in you and I. That this picture that he's painting through your life, that we're now children forever loved and accepted, that we're now those that are being made more and more in the likeness of his son is something that he has committed himself to. That it's he who's going to seek to work that in and through us. It isn't that it's like, all right, it started the Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, then offer us this life, and then the baton's passed over, and we kind of need to carry on with it. No, it's that God, by his spirit, 
is working within you and within me, within our circumstances, to cause us to become more and more a picture that we're his children, more and more in likeness of his son. So I can look back and look at that picture of 27 years ago and say, yeah, I'm not, I'm not who I was because of the wonder and beauty of what Jesus has done. And the same is true for you. You see, it becomes this promise that regardless of how we're feeling or what life's looking at, there's a promise and assurance that God is at work. It's what faith was encouraging us with. That sometimes it can feel like it's just like where's God ahead of us, whereas actually God's behind us protecting us. And in that moment, it's understanding, no, God, you've promised you're going to keep working in me. Man, we sing a song that has a bridge that says, you know, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. And it's never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. We can go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but what about those days where it is that we don't feel it, we don't see it? Well, Paul wants to transform those moments and say, no, 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 God is one who is eternally committed to working in our lives. And therefore, he is at work in this moment, causing us to be painting in more of the picture of what it means to be his children, what it means to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Because the truth is, I'm not who I was but I'm also not who I'm going to be. Because it transforms how we see our future. Paul wants us to understand that God is a God who is a starter and a finisher. Like, do you meet people, maybe like some of us are those people who like start something and then we kind of go, oh yeah, that was kind of fun, but I'm a bit bored now, I'm gonna go off in that direction and do this thing, this seems a bit more fun. And if we're not careful, we can think, oh yeah, Jesus did something and yeah, it started there, but now it's down to me and I, you know, I wonder where it's going to go. And Paul wants us to understand, no, God, Father, Son and Spirit is a starter and a finisher. That what he started in your life, in my life, he will bring to completion. And he says that's going to happen when Jesus returns and seeks to bring the whole of the cosmos under his rule and reign. And part of him coming to reveal the wonder of his goodness and love, bringing everything under his rule and reign, is going to be your life. It's going to be my life. That Jesus, that the Father is going to keep working through the Son, by the Spirit, in your and mine life, until we finally see Jesus face to face, and then we fully understand what it is to be God's children, what it is to be in the likeness of Jesus. So it transforms how we see, how we see ourselves, how we see God, how we see our future. Paul then says it's meant to transform then how we live. Paul writes this, and continues this in his prayer. He says, I pray, verses nine to 11, that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The fact that we are God's workmanship 
means that we are those that are being transformed in the way we live. Now, remember what I said, like at this point we think, oh yeah, I knew it was gonna be like down to me. I knew there was gonna be this thing that is then like, great, I get to know that I'm loved, but now I've gotta work hard to prove it. No, no, remember, he never stops. He never stops working. It's God at work in us. The spirit longing to lead us in more of the wonder of the beauty of the life that we've been afforded. The spirit who's longing to provide everything that we need for this life. And so Paul then kind of maps out in this prayer. What you've got to understand about this letter is it's like written not like how we write letters. We kind of write letters that are just going to be read once. Paul writes letters that are going to be mulled over. Like he's going to send someone else to go along and say, hey, is there any bits you didn't understand? I want to explain it a bit more. So he wants us when we read this prayer to kind of get a hold of it and say, wow, what does that mean then for me? Because what he does is he interconnects these different moments to allow us to understand that how we're being transformed in, out of how we see ourselves, God, and our future is it transforms how we live our lives in this interconnected way. And so he starts off by saying, hey, it's gonna, it's gonna my prayer for you is that you'd live lives that are abounding in love. Not in hard work, did you hear that? In love. Like Paul himself has like said what that kind of life looks like. He kind of says it in the verse previous, in verse eight, where he says like, I pray, I live with the, compassion of Christ for you. In other words, he's like centering his whole being on Jesus. Centering his whole being on Christ's love. So much so that he can say, hey, when I'm expressing my heart for you, I'm expressing Christ's heart for you. That's what it means to live with this love that's abounds. A love in how we love others is out of this deep sense of understanding Christ's love for us and more and more that being our love and lens of how we love everyone and everything else. So it's so that we can say, oh yeah, as I am expressing my love, it's like Christ's love for you. Wow. Like what a privilege that we get to reveal the love of Jesus by just being who we are in the situations we're in. That Jesus has chosen fragile humans like you and me to reveal the wonder of his love. And Paul then says, like, how, how do you live like that then? How do you cause this love to abound? How do you live centered on the compassionate affections of Christ being revealed through you? Well, he says, well, firstly, it's, it's like this. It's, it's through knowledge. Knowledge and discernment or knowledge and understanding is how the New Living Translation puts it. That knowledge and understanding, in other words, that you need to be those that are seeking to know and understand more of this love. Paul will later write to the Ephesian church, the church in Ephesus, and in there he's writing uh, to kind of reveal, like, how do you live more centered on Jesus? And he said, well, the way you're gonna do it, and then he prays a different prayer in Ephesians 3, where he says, actually, what I want you to know in the very depths of your being is what? The dimensions of the love of Christ. Because as you explore and understand the dimensions of the love of Christ, it causes you to know more and more of the fullness of God. So it's something we're to pray for, that, yeah, I want to abound in love. I want to know that love of Christ. How am I going to know that? By praying for it. Oh, yeah, and 
reading scripture, by reading the Bible, because the Bible reveals the wonder of this God of love. And Paul twins this knowing and understanding because it's not an information gathering exercise. It's not in order that we can do a pub quiz on who God's like and how God's a God of love. That's not what it is. It's in order that it would shape who we are, that as we know, we then begin to understand and that shapes everything about how we relate, which like interconnects this bit, which means that we get to live blameless and pure. That as we're living, abounding in love, and how we do that is by knowing and understanding It then changes who we are and how we relate and how we act and all we do in order that internally we're living with this sense of purity. A purity that's saying actually how I'm being motivated, how I'm being shaped in all that I'm thinking, all that I'm doing, all that I'm saying is from that wonder of the love of Christ. That I'm seeking increasingly to love what God loves and to love like God loves. But it's not only inwardly, internally, it's also then how we act towards others. That increasingly it would be said that actually how we're acting, how we're speaking, how we're listening, it's just blameless. Wow. That people would look at how we act, what we say, and just recognize, actually, it just comes from this place of love. Those that are seeking to build up, not tear down. Those who are looking to give, not simply receive. Those who are looking to listen, not just simply speak. That people would know that in it is this love. The air is about purity inwardly, but outwardly becomes blameless. And then Paul then says, Why? Well, because it becomes like this fruit of our salvation. Like what we begin to do is reveal the wonder of this life that Jesus has afforded in and through everything we do. What does that fruit look like? I wrote it down because I knew I'd forget one of them. Well, it's in Galatians 5, um, 22, 23, where Paul writes and says, hey, what, what does this fruit look like that others can taste in your life? It's the fruit of the Spirit at work in you, where he says it's about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what this life begins to produce. So I've got to work hard. I must be more peace-filled. I must be more patient. I must be more kind. No, no. Remember the interconnections. Being abounding in love. Through knowing. Through understanding. Through being motivated by that deep sense of purity, being blameless. In order to what? That it bear fruits in my life of this spirit at work in me of these things. But it's also this element of something else that the fruit is speaking of. So it's not only the fruits of the Spirit, it's also the fruits of the big human endeavor. A human endeavor that actually started at the very beginning of the book of the Bible. Where if you read Genesis 1 and 2, it reveals this wonder that God creates humanity above all other parts of creation with this strict instruction. I want you just to live in the goodness of who I am and how I love and seek to reveal 
my goodness and my love throughout the whole of this planet. And if you read chapter three, unfortunately, it all goes a bit wrong. And the rest of the story is how God then doesn't give up, never stops working. And through his son, he can then reveal this way that puts us back on track to say, oh, now you get to know this fruit of salvation that allows us to know we're here to do what? Oh, we're here to fill this planet with the divine love of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Like suddenly it transforms why you and I are on this planet. Like why you and I are living the lives that we're living at this moment with its pains and its joys, with its privileges, whether it's moments of need. Oh, it's in order that we can reveal more of this divine love of the Father, Son, and Spirit in the whole of the world. And his workmanship was in you and through you. In order to do that, he uniquely wants to use you and use me. But there's a last transformation that I want us to look at because here we could like finish and say, okay, we've got this moment of being transformed in how we see, how we live. I believe in this prayer it transforms how we pray. The way we pray. Verses three to four, Paul writes this. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. So often we think of prayer of just me and God. Yeah, it is that. That, that prayer's there, isn't it? It's like this invitation to talk to God out of relationship. Paul doesn't say, like, this is a distant God. He says, my God. Like, that's a, that's a prayer of relationship. Hey, this is one I'm in relationship with. But then here's the beauty, is how he then seeks to pray is for others, not just himself. Like, how much do we seek to pray for others? Like, that's the invitation here. Like, to be those that are seeking to pray for all. As we're going to get through this letter, we're going to realize the power of why Paul says three times in this prayer, all of you. Because by the time we get to chapter four, we're going to realize there's a bit of discrepancy going on. There's a bit of a disagreement going on. And Paul's kind of at this moment, like setting the scene of lots of things that he's going to be looking at. And there could be a thing of like, is he going to choose which side? Who's right? Who's wrong? And he says, no, no, I'm just praying for everyone. Like all of you, all of you I'm thankful for. Which brings me on to the next thing. You see, he's one who's praying for all. And the starting point is thanks. Thanks for God's work in every individual's life. Everything that we've just already looked at. Like, how often do you or I just, just spend those moments saying, man, I just want to pray for people I know and just thank God for them. Thank God for what God has started and will finish in them. For just the wonder of his love being revealed through them. The wonder of what they're doing today in their workplace, recovery, retirement. Like, in that moment, in their school, in their university campus, able to just reveal something more of the love of God. Like, I want to thank God for that. It's not only you pray with thanks, it's also that we then pray that we'd, they'd be those 
being transformed, transformed in the way they see, transformed in the way they live. And what Paul says is that as he seeks to pray like this, it brings him joy. And the same is true for us. There's this invitation to pray for one another out of thanks, out of a wonder of what God's doing, out of a wonder of praying for individuals, saying, God, would you cause them to understand more and more of of how they're to see themselves and you and their future? Would you cause this individual to understand more and more of this life they're called to live, to abound in love, to know it, to understand it, to live purely, blamelessly and seek to be revealing the fruit of salvation? I want to pray that. That as we get to do that, it brings joy into our being. And that's where I want us to end off this morning. It's the invitation is to go on being transformed. That Jesus is enough full stop. And he is longing to continue to transform us, and he will. Like for some of us, maybe we've come today saying, well, I've, I've never like, centered my life on Jesus. I've never received just the wonder of who he is. Like, for us, maybe it's like, I, I just need to ask some more questions. Maybe today it's like, no, no I, want an, I, want, I want in. I want to know this transformation. For many of us, though, we, we said, no, no I've, I know that I've centered my life on Jesus. And for us, the invitation is to allow the wonder that Jesus is enough full stop to continue to transform the way we see, the way we live, and the way we pray. And we're going to kind of end things slightly differently. We're going to call it a soft close. Sounds whatever that is. That basically has become the description of when you don't quite know what's going to happen. And so it just helps everyone online to know that actually it's not going to feel like there's a definite end. It's just going to happen. And what I'm going to encourage us to do is just to turn to people near us and say, can we just pray together in this moment? And can we pray verse 6 and verse 8 to 11 of Philippians 1 over one another? Can we pray there will be a deeper understanding that we are God's workmanship and he will see through to completion when Christ returns all that he has started. Can we pray that we would be those that are abounding in love, knowing and understanding, blameless and pure, fruit of righteousness, of salvation? So yeah, there you go. Let's turn. Let's pray. Thank you very much for listening.